And you're my you're my Scorpio goddess leader. <laughs> Whenever I think of Scorpio, I think of you in, in a positive way, you know, sort of this oh, uh, shadow healer. And yeah, I think it's, uh, I, yeah, I've been trying to emulate our lessons or our conversations that we've had over the past year in this last oh my week. god so many good <laughs> conversations and like deep deep dives I feel like that's yeah. what we do excavation of like chipping away <laughs> and it feels so amazing to have someone to kind of like play ball with if you understand what I mean with that because I've always been this kind of you know the seeker and always ever since I was young going very deep into huge questions and trying to figure it out and understand like what is this life what are we doing what is God what is this what is that you know but I've never really had people in my life that I've been able to talk to about these things and mm. like the past year especially so many people are coming to my life where it's like oh all of a sudden I can like actually share that side of me with people and you're definitely one of them and I think we met we met a year ago almost now yeah early December and last year December yeah. Yeah, exactly and yeah. I feel like we just immediately clicked I think no. we recognized something in each other and it was this like yeah you know this recognition where it's like oh yeah. like I know yeah. this person probably yeah. some past life stuff I don't know <laughs> Yeah, I think so. And I, I've had a similar experience this year where I've kind of found my people. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, I don't know to say how long these people will stay in my life or what meaning they'll have on a larger, you know, timeline. But either way, it's helped me grow and shed a lot of layers, like a lot of baggage I've been carrying around, uh, some heavy tension of just not being myself. And this new community that I've sort of brought into my life or called in in many ways has helped me really get to that level. That's what I meant by excavation when we talked earlier. It's sort of like chipping away at all the layers that aren't really us to get to a more authentic version of us. Exactly. And that's, um, I mean, it's an inspired process. It is. It really brings in a lot of, because, you know, you keep creating this space for like new, new stuff to come in. Mm -hmm. But it's also painful and a lot of grief. And I feel like, you know, we keep going these, you go like you, you move forward and then you're, you're being dragged back in to look at something like you need to look at this. Okay. And then you chip away a little bit again and then you move a little bit forward and then you move back. It's just like, ah, uh, it's this process. And sometimes I think for me anyway, it's very helpful to have someone to check in with and be like, am I because it can be confusing and it's like am I off course here am I crazy now do I is, is it okay to feel this way and think like this yeah and kind of yeah. you have someone to check in with and to kind of confirm your journey in a way yeah totally and it's funny so um, while you were chatting I just wanted to pull up your human design chart I know we're kind of bopping around but you use the word seeker and I was like oh that's an archetype in human design so there's like 64 gates sorry I'm jumping around just diving into it but but you have this gate of the seeker as do I and uh so when you said that word I was like oh I wonder if she's got this channel and you have part of the channel and so uh it was just really funny it's like 
I'm going to have your chart open while we chat just so I can kind of reference stuff. <laughs> Amazing. I'm so excited. Okay. I'm going to introduce you for our listeners. So yeah. today we're so lucky to have my good friend, Morgan Papas on the show. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Maya. <laughs> Morgan is a human design expert and also you're just an incredible human being um and you're joining us from new york today where you live half of the year is that correct to say yeah i'd say about half the year from yeah. here yeah and we met here in costa rica last year so you're kind of planning you're in the transition of coming back here very soon which is so exciting i'm very excited for that and uh, yeah, I just appreciate you so much in my life. We always have incredible conversations about life, spirituality, astrology, human design, just our own processes. And I really appreciate your wisdom and perspective so much in my life. And I'm super excited to have you on the show today to bring some of that wisdom to our listeners. <laughs> so yeah, Morgan, welcome to the Girl Hang podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. And it's totally reciprocated. You're such a well of wisdom for me. And you've been so inspirational and expansive in many ways. And I just really honor and cherish all of our conversations over the last few months, because we've definitely dove into some very heavy, deep conversations about life, spirituality, our shadows, what we're experiencing on a day to day basis. And it's just been such a privilege to go through that journey with you from afar. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I feel yeah. the same way. And how I want to ask you how how is your life right now? Do you want to share something about like where you're at? <laughs> sure. Um yeah, I'm definitely in a moment of transition that I'm really trying to savor as scary as it is. Um I had a friend say something to me recently. He said growth is grief. And I think in these moments of transition, it can be very easy to get stuck in kind of the heaviness of the deep work that you're doing to get to the other side. Um, growth is definitely not an easy process. So that's all to say that I'm in this transition moment, but I'm really trying to enjoy it and be playful and build community and really talk about what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing on a very honest level so that I can sort of I don't know get to this next chapter in my life with a little more clarity and peace and with the right people in my circle so yeah I'm in New York right now I'm heading back to Costa Rica in like two weeks and yeah and this moment of transition especially vocation wise I'm stepping into being a full-time human design reader but also kind of exploring other modalities of this practice and yeah, it's been wild and crazy and I'm grateful for all of it. <laughs> Amazing. It's it's so good when we come to that point where we've been through the struggle, we've been through, through the ringer in a way, which the past few years definitely have been for a lot of us. A lot of us have been going through huge transformation and reclaiming our power and stepping into the new thing. And it, it requires such bravery and so much work. And then it's just amazing to get to the point in that process where, like you just said, where you can look back and say, you know what, I'm actually grateful for all, for all of it. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, totally. And just on that note, I would say 
it, it's definitely not easy still, you know, but life never is easy. <laughs> so the more we can just accept that there's going to be a lot of tough moments of self-realization and vulnerability, the lighter it becomes. And yeah, I think having a gratitude practice definitely helps with that process. Yeah, that's so true. I've been actually coming back to that lately because that's the thing that that's been coming like in and out of my life a lot in you know periods of time I've done it religiously almost like every day um doing gratitude journaling gratitude meditation and just sitting with the feeling you know that feeling of gratitude and then I kind of forget especially I tend to forget to do like the things that I know is good for me when things get really hard and that's often the times when I need need it the most or should do it the most but then it has a tendency to just slip a little bit um but I'm bringing it back now and you have some you've helped me with um a lot of things regarding like how to do that do you want to share with our listeners just some tips if people are looking to start a practice like that um I would say for sure just really trying to be present in every moment and I think I've personally always tried to call in things for myself through some sort of manifestation practice however you want to coin it it doesn't have to be manifestation but we all have goals aspirations things that we want in our life and often we are thinking too much into the future for when those things will come through and instead I've sort of learned to see the parts of my life where I'm already feeling the energetic of what I'm calling in. So for example, you know, I'm calling in partnership right now for myself and I'm looking at the areas of my life where I'm already seeing the elements of partnership, whether it be through my friend community or whether it be through my own self-love practices of just taking care of myself and enjoying like going to bed and really being cozy and warm and just like the simplest little things where I'm already getting the energetic of what I'm trying to call in. Um, And to me, that's a gratitude practice, being grateful for what's already present so that I can kind of build upon that. So when I am getting closer to meeting the partner or to meeting somebody that I'm dating, it feels aligned already. It feels like something that's already present in my life. It's not so foreign. It's like, oh yeah, I recognize this energetic. I recognize this feeling, this emotion because I already have abundance of it in my life. So this person is just sort of another representation of what I already have. And to me, that's a gratitude practice of sort of recognizing the small things instead of thinking so much about what you don't have, um, the scarcity mindset. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's so incredible. And actually that theme came up for me in a coaching session that I was doing with a client this week um, who's also trying to call in partnership. And we talked about exactly this, you know, like become the thing that you are trying to get in a way how is that going to enhance your life what is it that that is going to bring into your life that you think that you don't have so you you kind of take yourself out of that lack mindset and you start to create that for yourself okay if it's to feel safe how can I make sure that I feel safe in my life How, how can I create safety for myself how can I get into the energy of that and then you're actually on like a vibrational energetic level where that thing can so much more easily come into your life 
Yeah. And it, and it, to make sure it's the aligned person or the aligned opportunity or whatever you're calling in so that, okay. you know, you're not just grabbing what's available, making sure it's really what truly what your soul needs and desires and what's going to add value to your life and to your well-being. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, okay. Let's get into the human design a little bit. What is human design, Morgan? <laughs> sure. Uh, so human design is a fairly new framework. Um, it's often coined as the science of differentiation or the science of awakening. Um, but I want to add a caveat that it's not based in science. <laughs> there is some root element of um, psychology involved. However, it's a synthesis of information from ancient, ancient practices, including the I Ching, uh, Kabbalah astrology, Vedic astrology, and the chakra system. So it's sort of a synthesis of many ancient spiritual practices. And it's a framework for understanding how your energy moves through your body and how you show up in the world to opportunities, to your community, how you present yourself, how you see yourself. But it's by no means a predictive tool. It's simply a framework for understanding how you operate and can be used for self-awareness and for self-understanding and ultimately just as kind of a compass or guide to really tap into your intuitive process. Um, so I discovered it a few years ago. I was always interested in astrology, specifically Vedic astrology in my early 20s. Um, but like many people, I kind of held on to astrology as a tool for I don't know, finding meaning in things that were out of my control, which wasn't the healthiest mindset to have. I kind of really wanted answers. <laughs> and mm -hmm. the thing about human design that I found helpful and why I gravitated towards it is because it wasn't really providing me with answers. It was just providing me with self-affirmation. It was sort of just an understanding, a tool for recognizing like, wow, yes, this is how I'm wired. This is how I operate. Instead of thinking of ways of how I need to change, it's more of recognizing the ways I inherently am. And that gave me a lot of freedom and allowed me to fully surrender and just how I move and how I show up in the world and to see my strengths that naturally come through. So it's not so much about changing who you are, but it has a lot to do with self-acceptance. And for what I was needing in my 20s, that was a very powerful tool for me to uh, utilize and tap into. Uh, so yeah, that's a general understanding of human design. It does get quite nuanced. Um, it is a newer system, but it does involve a lot of ancient archetypes from the I Ching that correspond to astrology and correspond to tarot. You'll find them in mythology as well. Uh, so I do love that element because you see these archetypes at play throughout your everyday life with your community with your friends and even within yourself so I've always used that as kind of just a framework for contemplation by no means do I stand true that like this is who I am this is how I operate there's always movement within the chart so human design shows you a body graph and that's kind of how you read the chart much like a natal chart in astrology um, but the body graphs of a living entity has a lot, you know, that's gonna, you're gonna show up in different ways based on your lived experiences. 
So it's simply a tool for self-understanding and reflection and contemplation ultimately. Wow. I can say I've had a couple of readings with you and especially the last one was, it's almost like you get to understand your blueprint and it really, it feels so liberating and also confirming like a permission slip to be the way I am. And I remember there's several things that you mentioned in our reading that was like these things that I've had an intuition on, but then you said it and you confirmed it. And I was like, oh my God, I I was right. Like, I'm not crazy. And I remember, especially when you talked about my profile, something is called, that is called profile in human design. I have a 6-2 profile. Yeah. And so I always had this feeling for the first 30 years of my life that my life was just a complete mess. It was just so chaotic. And I felt like I was thrown around into so many crazy experiences. And even my friends would say, like, how does how does these things happen to you? Like, <laughs> what is the what is the deal? And I was like, I don't know. And especially after my Saturn return, after um, after turning 30, I felt a shift in the energy. And then I had the reading with you and you told me that this is actually, that's my profile. That's my design. I'm, you can talk more about this and explain it better than me, but yeah, that just opened up my whole world. I was like, oh, okay. So nothing is wrong. Okay, great. Then I can, you know, keep living my life. (laughs) Yeah. The six specifically in your profile has a very specific trajectory, like life path and, Yeah, sort of around every 30 years, you kind of get this like upgrade of sorts and you really step into your inherent wisdom. You really start to acknowledge it as part of who you are, part of your identity. And sometimes it starts to show through your career as well, your vocation. It's a lot to do with your dharma, your life's purpose. So yeah, that would make total sense. I would say a lot of people, you know, pre 30 years old, definitely kind of feel a little bit lost and at sea um, prior to their Saturn return. But the six in particular has this like strong marker. Um, Not all the numbers in a profile in human design. So just for the listeners, a profile has a lot to do with uh, your personality. There's two numbers, a conscious and an unconscious. The first number is conscious. So for you, that's a six. The second one's unconscious. And it's sort of how other people see you. Um, And when the two come together, they enmesh to create this personality, this identity, and has a lot to do with how you connect with others or how you show up um, in the world. And so, yeah, that six is very important part of your profile and has that sort of life trajectory of a lot of change every 30 years. So you can expect this again at age 60. I actually just met with someone who has a six in her profile and she's like 59 and starting to really feel this like energetic shift, a new identity, a new kind of upgrade coming through. So I'm excited for you and (laughs) in the future, hopefully we'll still be in contact and you can tell me all about it. Yeah, of course. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I really feel that, you know, now I'm 35 now, so it's, you know, but since I would say 31, I've been feeling different. My life feels different. It feels like everything has settled down and calmed down a little bit. It's much easier for me to 
get clear on what I want and kind of concentrate and focus my energy around like who I am. And I also understand much better who I am, what I want, what I want to do, what I'm, yeah, my purpose, my life direction in a way that's been very hard. It was extremely hard for me to connect to that during my third, like first 30 years and especially my twenties when everyone else, it felt like everyone else was figuring it out and having this clear vision of where they were going and I didn't mm. feel like that at all. And now it makes so much sense because I was meant to kind of gather all of this experience, I guess. You yeah. Know, learning, by doing, learning by doing and, and gathering experience by also making mistakes. Yeah. Which was tough, but it also made me into the person I am now. And all this wisdom that I have to share now is like, that's from lived experience. And I'm starting to connect to and understand how important those 30 years actually was. Yeah. So the, yeah, that six also requires a lot of experimentation, yeah. like learning and really understanding life through being hands-on and testing things out and figuring out your true calling and talent. Um, and then, yeah, like after age 30, really stepping into the wisdom that you've collected. So, and this is why I love human design. It's because it really shows like everyone's different and unique and everyone's energy operates differently and our intuition lives in different parts of our body. Um, and we live in a very conformed society that's changing. I think I see a lot of change happening fast, especially now we're in these sort of Plutonian times of like upheaval and more and more people are oh, yeah. recognizing this like inner awakening that's happening across the world. Um, and, you know, I think what why I've always gravitated towards human design is because it's helped me really understand our differences on just like a cellular level or on a soul level and how we are incredibly, we're designed to move and operate in different ways, but it's symbiotic. Um, so we have to sort of recognize each other's differences and strengths for what they are and not compare so that we can really help each other and be, live in a coexisting symbiotic world where, you know, there's, there's a doer, there's a creator, there's a guide, there's a visionary, there's sort of these archetypes and we should just own our own archetypes so that we can show up as the best version of ourselves and help others to do the same. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And even just understanding how your energy operates in the world, that has been such a eye opener for me to understand how my energy works and how I call things in and how I should respond and how, you know, all of these things, because like you said, we live in a society where everything is kind of like cookie cutter. Yeah. One size fits all, but that's really not how it is. And I'm thinking like, you know, imagine this this world where people know this, people know their blueprint, they know how they energetically operate in the world and they live accordingly. And also imagine parents that can teach yeah. this. They know this about their kids when they're young. Like I, I just imagine if my mom and dad had known this and they could have, you know, held space for me and helped me to understand that, this is how you operate. This is how it works. This is why this is like that, da, 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 you know? Wow. That would have made everything so much easier. Yeah, totally. And so the creator of human design, Ra Uruhu, he actually really believed a big part of his teaching was for parents mm -hmm. uh, so that they could 
best understand their children's energy type, their authority, so that they can help design a lifestyle that was in accordance to that. Um, so just to jump in a little bit about the basics of human design. So there's five energy types. That's sort of the baseline of understanding your human design blueprint or body graph. And it's arguably the most important part of your chart, your design. And you totally see these five energy types at play in the world. So about 70% of the world are generators. Um, you are a generator. And 35% of that 70%, so sort of half of, sorry, half of that 70% are manifesting generators. You're a pure generator. You have a sacral authority of a defined sacral center in your chart. Um, so you're a pure generator. About 20% are projectors. Uh, I'm a projector. Uh, and so the generators are sort of the doers of the world. They're kind of like little alchemists. They bring things to life with power. Um, they have a lot of natural energy that regenerates when they're doing things that light them up. They're very gut driven. They're very much driven by desire. And so it's really important that they're stimulated and they're in projects and opportunities that truly light them up, truly like call to their soul, to their purpose, um, because they can bring things to life efficiently and with a lot of power and stamina. Um, the sort of shadow side of that, though, is that if they're out of alignment, they can kind of just be on this hamster wheel of like regenerating energy towards something that's not really um, called for them in this lifetime. It's not part of their purpose. It's not part of their dharma, or maybe they're burning themselves out in accordance to other people's expectations. Uh, so yeah, generators really have to spend a good chunk of time in their life figuring out who they are and what they want. Mm -hmm. It's really critical that they put energy towards that and not just output. Um, because generators can be great at creating, doing, sustaining. They're the holy life force of humanity. They keep us going. Uh, but if they're not spending some of that energy on self-reflection, they could kind of just become, uh, you know, part of a cog in the system that isn't really serving them or serving the greater good of humanity. Mm -hmm. um, so then the 20% of the population that are projectors, uh, they're guides, they're here to guide energy. They're here to be sort of visionary seers. They have a really uh, sort of a bird's eye view of what's happening around them. They're great at kind of noticing patterns and recognizing systems that need to be changed or improved or updated. Um, but their energy isn't as sustainable as generators. They, they're more susceptible to burnout. They kind of need a lot of extra time to recharge. Their aura can be quite penetrating as well. So they're not really for everyone. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. It's just important that they recognize that uh, yeah, they're not the doers of the world. Doesn't mean that they're not here to do things or create things. They're just sort of here to guide and mold and morph energy in a different way than generators. And for me, I'm, as a projector, I at first like hated the idea of being a projector because I was like, no, I want to be this like vibrant person that's out in the world doing and creating. And I realized like, no, I can be that. I just have to sort of understand the flow of my energy that it ebbs and flows. It's not go, go, go the same way generators have. And that it just requires a lot more downtime and reflection and it really requires me to also wait for the invitation. That's the strategy of the projector to recognize when my insights 
are valued and to not force my sort of viewpoint or insight on anyone that's not ready to hear it or doesn't really want to acknowledge it or have it, which is okay. We're not for everyone. Uh, then 9% of the world are manifestors and manifestors are really good at initiating and bringing things to life. They're kind of creating new ideas all the time. Uh, they're really good at tapping into a drive, sort of a stamina of penetration to get things moving and going. And they can really bring things to life efficiently as long as they're um, not getting sort of pulled in the wrong direction. They really have to honor their instinct, their intuition, their authority in order to make things happen. Um, and then the 1% of the world are reflectors and reflectors are sort of the mirrors of the world. They're really, they're the chameleons. They blend into their environments. They reflect back to people what we need to see, what we need to learn. They're great to have around, but so super rare. <laughs> Um, and why I say they're great to have around is because they really provide information and understanding of the world in such a unique perspective that most of us just don't have. They kind of get an understanding, an energetic understanding of their environment, and they reflect it back to their community and those around them. So yeah, that's just a quick overview. It gets far more nuanced, but those are the five energetic types that are at play. It is so cool. And it's also that's tied into the strategy, right? So so how do we so we know then if we know our energy type, then we can kind of start to live according to the strategy that works best for that energy type, right? Yeah. So for generators and manifesting generators, their strategy is to wait to respond or just to respond. And what that means is that they're really supposed to kind of like take in life and their and their world like what opportunities that are coming through in their world and use their authority their intuition so for yours is sacral it's a very gut driven intuition it's very black and white it's very visceral you're gonna literally like feel it in your body when it's like a hell yes or a fuck no like you just gotta listen to it um they're designed to just wait um to respond to see what shows up in their world and then take action based on their intuition, their intuitive process. Some people have emotional intuition, so they really kind of have to feel things out before going after an opportunity. Um, others have instinctual intuition, splenic, which is just very quick. Um, it's kind of like a ping or a download from the universe. Um, others have self-projected, which I have. I have to kind of like talk things out. I need like a sounding board. Uh, and Yours, like I said, is sacral. It's gut intuition. It's just very black and white. Uh, it's very visceral feeling. And it's really based on desire in many ways. Um, so yeah, generators are designed to wait to respond to what shows up in their world. Projectors are supposed to wait for the invitation, meaning they're supposed to wait from like a cue from either the universe or from others, letting them know that like, okay, like this is your invitation. This is your affirmation that, you can come through, you can share your wisdom, your guidance, uh, you can show up as who as you are and help in some way. It's not can chasing by any means. Yes. So for example, when I, I invited you to come on the podcast, I was like, Morgan, I need to have you on. Can you please come? Then that's like, 
the if you invitation. initiated that, then you would be kind of operating outside of your design a little bit? A bit, yes. Um, I would say, you know, take all this with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. um, so, and even if the invitation comes through, doesn't mean you should act on it. It means I should use my authority to really decide if this invitation's aligned with what I'd like to do in life mm -hmm. um, or aligned with my authentic being. Um, but when I say wait for the invitation, it doesn't mean like don't send the resume or don't make the phone call to the friend or don't book the trip, but anything that's like really big in life or anything that's kind of guiding you on your path towards self-realization or to understanding your dharma or getting close to karma is really through invitation. And I see this at play all the time because, for example, in my work, human design, not everyone's ready to learn about it or not ready to like understand their body graph or they don't really want to be read, you know, understandably so. And I by no means take offense to that. It's simply a tool or framework and it's not for everyone. So mm -hmm. when I meet someone new, I never try to push human design on them. I never say, oh, let me do a reading for you. I wait for them to initiate. I wait for the invitation. And that can be as simple as like, oh, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to learn more. That's the invitation right there. Right. Um, how I see this play out in dating is, you know, an invitation could be as simple as like a like, you know, on a dating app. Like to me, that's an invitation. Um, I'm very rarely one to be the one that initiates a date. And that's just simply how I'm designed. And I don't see it as a flaw or, and I don't see it as, a feminine thing either I think it's just kind of how my energy works I I recognize that you know I need some sort of affirmation before going in and giving my energy because it's so limited as a projector so yeah those are just some you know examples of waiting for the invitation amazing and I have another question so yeah. Generators and then manifesting gen generators. What is actually the because that they're obviously similar in many ways, but there's yeah. a difference. What is exactly the difference between them? Sure. Yeah. Good. Good question. So, um, they all they're both generators. Um, so they both have a defined sacral center. However, manifesting generators are a little different in that they have part of the manifester part of them, um, which is the pure manifestors make up 9% of the population. So manifesting generators have the initiative aspect to them and their energy is just a bit more multidirectional compared to generators. Um, they kind of need to hop in and out of different projects. They need to hop out, in and out of different lifestyles. Uh, they're often described as having sort of ADD or ADHD, but really they're just wired a bit differently in that They need to jump in and out of many different opportunities throughout the day. They need a lot of stimulation and their sacral center is just a bit different compared to a generator in that they need like a wind down process at night too is really critical for a manifesting generator. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, when they're in flow, they can really bring things to life very fast with sustained effort. But their biggest goal in this lifetime is to learn when to pivot. They're designed to pivot a lot their path mm -hmm. is not linear by any means so it's really important for them to accept that they have this multi-directional way to them both energetically and just through life as well so it's really important for them to just honor that and never see themselves as failures for not finishing a project or seeing something to the end because they're kind of just designed to like shift and move a bit in and mm -hmm. out of different opportunities
you know. Yes. And then lastly, so then manifestors, their strategy is to initiate their mm -hmm. design to kind of like light the fire um, to get things going and to inform people around them as well, what they're working on and what they're bringing to life. And this applies a bit to manifesting generators as well. Uh, they have to inform people to make sure that they're kind of gathering the right people around them to help them bring things to life efficiently and with power and ease. And also not, it's really important that they just kind of alert their community, what they're working on, what they're sort of sparking at the moment. And then the reflector strategy um, is really nuanced because they are designed to truly kind of flow in and out of different environments and to kind of shape shift in different environments. They are so cool and unique that way. I love reflectors. They're so rare and they're most susceptible to conditioning because we live in a society that definitely doesn't honor somebody who's not branded or defined. They have no different defined um chakras in their body so oh, really? they're literally so yeah they're completely all of the open. centers are just open yeah and, wow imagine yeah. that like how you need to like protect your energy then because you're just like pulling in everything yeah it's really learning to detach but also mm -hmm. learning to curate your environment like what a superpower they can kind of go in and out of different contexts different social groups different environments and take the energy that they want let go of the other stuff like as long as they learn to really flow and really accept that everything they're taking is not theirs to hold on to they don't have to define themselves they can kind of wake up each morning in a different understanding of self and a different perception of self and they're really here to show us sort of like the nuance of the human experience and how to move in and out of different perceptions and to really mirror nature reflectors i see them as total mirrors of nature of the patterns of nature and their authority their intuition is actually based on a lunar cycle they really have like a 28 day process yeah um really tapping into their intuition because they're designed to feel opportunities or decisions in a full spectrum of emotions and states much like mother nature, you know, the moon kind of waxes and wanes, they're kind of mirroring that process before coming to like a full conclusion. Um, wow. Yeah, so that I have this like running joke, I have two girlfriends that have reflector boyfriends. Um, and I've, I've given readings to both. And they have this running joke as a couple like the girlfriend who's a manifesting generator, sacral energy. She's like, okay, we got to make a decision on this, blah, blah, blah. Let's go. And he's like, give me 28 days. <laughs> like I got to wait it out. <laughs> um, wow. Which I thought was really funny, but yeah, that's kind of how they're designed. It's very unique and beautiful, but they've got to learn to really hold their ground and reflection and not jump into the pressure and speed that we live in, in modern society. Exactly. I think, well, I, that's just how my brain works, but I always put things into, into relation with human evolution, right? I like to look at these huge perspectives of things and I'm thinking immediately, I'm thinking, so they're 1% of the population, which is like, like you say, they're very rare, but I'm thinking yeah. like, maybe there will be more reflectors to come like that percentage is gonna like rise because they're almost like an advanced version a little bit like 
being more one with nature, reflecting nature, nature's processes and nature's intelligence. And I think that's really the direction we're moving in, you know? Yeah. So, maybe, so what do you think? Well, okay, a little history here. So projectors are actually the newest design, believe it or not, because there was so much generator energy. And mm-hmm. with generators, you know, they're they're kind of the alchemists of the world. They bring things to life. Um, they take energy and translate it into manifested things, experiences, physical, tangible, um, you know, parts of society. And projectors were kind of needed to guide this energy because otherwise it could go the other way. It's super positive, but it can become destructive. They can create, but they can also destroy that kind of energy. So projectors kind of came through evolutionary wise to sort of guide and help kind of like mitigate, you know, Mm -hmm. the the energetic uh, sways. And there's a new design coming through apparently in 2027 we're going to start seeing this newer design called raids. And there's a lot of information out on the internet. And like, I take this all the grain of salt. I want this to be like a huge, massive, like asterisk that um, this is simply a framework for contemplation. I never have anything. None of my beliefs are set in the stone. I am open to so many different interpretations of how we move and operate through life. This has just been one that's been successful for myself and for my clients um, as a means for, you know, thinking and self-realization and questioning, um, you know, in ways in which they've been conditioned. So anyways, there's this new design coming through called Raves. And yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that evolves. I won't talk too much on it because I'm not an expert on that specific subject. But um, yeah, this is part of the process. There's new sort of energetic archetypes that are coming through. Um, but I do love reflectors and I do hope that it, I would imagine the population is growing. Um, personally, I've had a number of reflectors through my, um, you know, readings that came through clients that came through. So it's possible that it's expanding. I would hope we need it. We need it for sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, I also, I'm fascinated by the part of human design that is called, uh, the life theme or, you know, these, uh, as I understand is kind of like a cross in your, in your incarnation or your body graph. Um, can we talk a little bit about that? Because I, there's so many as well, right? Like so many different life paths. Yeah. Yeah. So there are 192 different incarnation crosses and uh, it's based on a combination of four different gates. And those are the four top gates in your chart. So gates in human design are, there's 64 of them and there's kind of like genetic traits. Um, They sort of each have their own archetypal energy to them and they're gifts. There's something that we come into this life that are strengths. However, that strength also comes with the shadow aspect, something that, you know, it can either be a higher vibration or a lower vibration of how we show up through this strength. So the incarnation cross is a combination of four different gates, your conscious sun, your unconscious sun, and your conscious moon and your unconscious moon. And so uh, that's where sort of the astrology comes in a bit because it is based on a natal chart. 
Yeah, and, and I just want to add because this remind I immediately I go to the north node south node because that's exactly what they represent, right? It's like your unconscious, it's what you came in with, it's your past lives, it's your dharma, it's your path, it's your soul's mission on a, in a way in this life. So I I guess it's related um to that. Yeah. Sorry, and then conscious and unconscious sun and earth, not moon. Sorry, sorry. Um but yeah, so it's how my favorite interpretation of the incarnation cross is actually going through the gene keys and gene keys is sort of an offshoot of human design. Um, however, when I do a reading with a client, I generally focus on those four gates in their human design chart. And they're sort of kind of a theme for the incarnation cross. Mine has a lot to do with ambition, like making friends with my ambition I see this translated in astrology. I have a lot of Capricorn. I have a Capricorn stellium. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely kind of an archetype or a general theme that comes through in the chart. And mm -hmm. most of my clients that I meet with, very rarely do I go into the incarnation cross. I'll often look at different channels in their chart. So channels are when gates connect because the incarnation cross isn't necessarily something that you're working on or that you need to like decondition or return back to self. It's just always there. It's, it's has a lot of karmic charge to it. It's yeah. something that you came into in this lifetime to work out or to make amends with or to heal or to really like become friends with. So um, it, it doesn't always come through in the readings. It does for you because that you're so evolved and spiritual and very much self-aware and doing a lot of deep inner work. Um, but it's so interesting, yeah, to see how it unfolds through vocation or through um, social context. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, I can say it really helped me when that came up in our reading because... Um, if I remember correctly, and just from what I have, it's my cross, or what do you call it? The incarnation cross is all about sharing. Yeah, it's for me, it's all about sharing my individual views and insights with the world, which is a massive theme in my life. This has been a theme through my whole life. And just to know that that's part of my path, that's part of my purpose, really helped me to embrace that and be like, okay, and and it's definitely linked to karma and it's definitely linked to my shadow and, and things that I'm working through because to use my voice, to speak my truth, to communicate out into the world, it shows up in my astrology as well. I have so many third house placements. I have uh, like my Mercury is very strong in my, in my astrology. So that's like definitely a theme for me yeah. in my life. And when you addressed that in our reading, I was like, again, it just confirmed something that I already kind of knew I was like why does this thing this theme and this need and this longing but also block keep showing up again and again and again and over and over again yeah. in my life and then when I started to really sit with that and embrace that it's like all of those blocks just like okay, here we go. I can do this, you know? And then, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy and without fear and without discomfort, but it just made it so much easier to face those challenges and actually say, okay, that's here for a reason. That's because in this lifetime, I'm here to work through this. And the reason why it's here in the first place means that I have the ability to actually overcome. So yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, this is 
another reason why I love human design, it's, it's never new information. It's just a reframing of what you already know to be your truth or what you've already experienced over yes. and over and over thematic information. So it's just affirmation. It's like, yes, <laughs> this is, yeah. this has been my life experience. And I don't know, for whatever reason, hearing it from somebody else um, can just lift this sort of weight or this veil of sorts to allow yes. you to really identify and see it as a strength and a superpower instead of something to like shy away from or something to hold exactly. shadow over. Um, but yeah, but you're in your incarnation cross, you do have this gate 39 that's activated. And that gate is like a provocation to be provoking, but also to be provoked in many ways. And, you know, it definitely represents like a deep transformative energy that's here to really challenge established beliefs and structures. And that's hard to do. That's not an easy mm -hmm. process to step into, but it's going to come through naturally in your life. And the more you show up with strength in it, the easier it gets and the more alignment and flow and the right community you find. Um, you also have the gate of insight, gate 43, which is like a deep intuition and a deep intuitive ability to gain insights and understanding of the nature of the world and the nature of what's around you. And individuals with this gate really have a gift of like noticing patterns and making connections. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you are so good at that. You've even with me, you've, you know, we've met over a year, like just a year ago and within some of my, as a self-projected projector, I'm always kind of bouncing off ideas and lived experiences and what I'm going through with you. And you're always so good at provoking me into thinking of things in a different way or kind of giving me little bits of insight of new ways of understanding what I'm experiencing, which has just been such a well of wisdom and information that's helped me heal and move on and process and become a better version of myself. And so I totally see you living out this life theme all the time. Um, but I think sometimes we just need the reminder. We need acknowledgement yeah. and affirmation. And, and it's almost like a confirmation that it's okay. Yes. It, yeah. Like, because there's this question that I think a lot of people have that a lot of people their their uh challenge is not that they're not connected to their purpose it's that they are connected to their purpose but they think that must be wrong because it means to be uncomfortable to grow and to expand into that purpose and so I think that's how human design is so beautiful it shows us instead of looking at it as something negative or impossible it it shows us our potential, you know, like, yeah. it, just like you said, instead of looking at it as a sh this heavy thing, it shows us the opportunities that are in all of all of the things that that make make us basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally have the belief that every negative trait we have or shadow aspect of self, you know, and you can define shadow as either something that we are scared to recognize or unnoticed truth within ourselves. or to me I see a lot of my shadows I'm aware of them um, but sometimes ironically it's the gift on the other side of the shadow that I just haven't figured out yet or I haven't transcend to that but I truly believe within every shadow aspect there's a gift on the other side and it's absolutely just a matter of fully understanding uh, that you have to heal or you have to acknowledge and you have to accept 
a lot of it's just a simple acceptance that allows you to transcend. And for whatever reason, that's really hard to do. But I want to invite like all the listeners of this podcast to like, let your community know, like let your close friends know when you see their gifts, when you see what they're bringing to the table, their power, their, uh, what they're really just special at doing or seeing or talking or sharing. Like, I think so often we forget to let our friends and community know Mm -hmm. their strengths. We're all the time talking about the negative aspects of self and we're doing all this deep work and there's a lot of culture around you know doing the work but you also have to like really celebrate all the positive aspects and gifts and so you know often when I'm doing a chart reading for a friend like yeah I see this all the time but I never really tell them unless I'm reading their chart and so I, I'm kind of trying to take more initiative and just letting friends know like hey these are the strengths I see from you, you know, tap into that more often. Mm-hmm. Um, let this be a permission slip to really own those strengths and to bring it to the table and to show it in your vocation, your work, your dating life, whatever it may be. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's also another form of gratitude. Um, but it's more an outward expression of it. And you're so good at it. You're really <laughs> like, yeah, but it's incredible. You, I feel like you do that a lot. You recognize, first of all, you're really good at seeing people you're an incredible oh, listener you. and you you you're so good at voicing those things and sa- actually saying them it's something that i've been practicing more in my life as well because often we think something but we don't say it to the person um and that's also something i can see in our community that we you know we we have a community down here in costa rica so many incredible women here and i feel like yeah. we're really good at that uh to lift each other up to help each other to see our light when it comes through you know and that's yeah. something that I'm so grateful for and that's kind of new in my life and I'm like okay yeah this is this is how it's supposed to be like this is how we lift each other up and help each other shine our light yeah absolutely totally and so even important. just calling out when we see magnetism when I see a friend yeah. that's just like in flow being magnetic and hot or whatever it might be like letting them know so that they mm-hmm. can really own it and just like build upon that energy um I think that's so important and it, it helps us also like have awareness for ourselves of like oh yeah I want to emulate that like this is this is what I'm calling in it's expansive seeing it as expansive um, is so helpful in our process of just becoming who we are and the best versions of ourselves. It is. It's so important. And we were talking about this, um, the girls, Josephine Haig and I, we were talking about, you know, that your true friends, they're definitely there for you when you're going through hard things and rough uh, periods in your life. But they're also there celebrating you when you're stepping into your light, when you're expanding, when you're like stepping up a level, embracing more of your potential. They're also there then. And this is so important. That's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, anything more about human design that we haven't touched on yet that you wanna that you wanna share? Oh, I mean, there's there's so much, you know. Like, I'm trying to think of like one little cool thing. I'm immediately thinking that we should have a part two 
as well because I think a lot of our listeners are going to have questions and want to know more about you know certain things so this is like an introduction and then okay we'll yeah, do yeah. Like part two I think okay I have one question one more question because mm-hmm. I'm kind of sitting here looking at my chart because I'm like okay now I can ask yeah yeah ask anything um so there's in human design you talk about a sixth sense in a way that we all have this extra strong sense Mm -hmm. um can we talk a little bit about that my extra strong sense or spidey sense or whatever you want to call it is feeling yeah so maybe we can start there and then we can just like talk talk through the different ones yeah so in human design there's something called your strongest sense Mm -hmm. um and your sense is really sort of it can be sort of a love language or just how you can really share your gifts in a particular way um how you best share your gifts and it's a literal like strongest sense like taste smell touch um but there's also some nuance like there's inner vision very conceptual understanding there's outer vision very aesthetic um understanding and your strongest sense in your chart is feeling and how i interpret this is picking up on the vibrations around you the feelings around you the vibes in general and it can be a physical thing as well just like touch is really critical like having comfortable fabrics being in comfortable spaces that are nice to touch um you can probably get a lot of information from touching a person um just kind of holding them you can kind of know sort of their their vibe if it's aligned for you or um just what they're experiencing or what they're going through um it also can be like the vibe energetic vibration of a room you have good understanding of sort of just if the room is aligned for you or good for you or if there's some negative energy in there that needs to be cleared or cleansed you can kind of pick up on that Mm -hmm. um I have a friend who has this as his strongest sense and he's a DJ and I see it being interpreted so he understands the vibe of like the dance floor of what people need what kind of music how they're going to move their bodies um for you as a yoga teacher I see that as well kind of understanding the flow of energy through touch and movement um it's kind of a physical uh sense in many ways and um yeah I love tapping into the different senses in human design and I see it come to life in many different ways for example I did a couple's reading a few months ago and they both had taste as their strongest sense interesting yeah both of them had it and they told me that when they first started dating their favorite thing to do was to go to different tasting like menus um to different restaurants that had tasting experiences uh and i just loved that you know it's sort of how they connected and bonded with each other and so yeah you can see it kind of play in different ways for example a good girlfriend of mine has outer vision and she's just so good with visuals um Mm -hmm. she's so good at curating like um I don't know, moving furniture so that there's good feng shui or like seeing sort of a good picture frame of what to take. I don't know. It translates in so many different ways, but it's just another way to kind of tap into your genius and to share it with the world. It's almost like a psychic power or that's at least for me, that's how I feel with my thing that is feeling. It's almost like 
it's a knowing it's a constant knowing and I just I can walk down the street and then all of a sudden if there's a person or a place where I'm not supposed to be I just immediately know and I just remove myself yeah um, and also like you said energetically with people I just I just know and I can also pick up on I remember when I was younger it was very difficult because I didn't understand this at all yeah but I just knew you know you meet someone and you're like hi how are you and they're like oh I'm good and then I just knew that that was not the truth it's almost like this um I don't know lie detector thing yeah 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 I mean I totally see that for you and for anyone with this is their strongest sense and Mm. unfortunately when we're children that's often when we start to like fall out of our design yeah so when you live by your design you're really just like trusting your inherent ways of moving and being and operating but when we're children you know we're in school and our parents and like society there's just so much conditioning and so that's why I think it's so important for parents to kind of check out their child's body graph and their chart so that they can really I don't know protect and also nourish those elements because what a gift and a superpower to have to pick up on feelings and vibes around you and it can really be a source of protection for yourself and for others and also it's a way that you share your genius with the world I mean Mm -hmm. even just in how you do these readings like purpose readings and tarot I mean just understanding of the energy at play in a situation is also available to you and knowing that it's a superpower instead of something to be scared or shy away from is really critical in your development, even as a child. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. And I think that's true for many people. I can say that I, um, I turned off my gifts at a certain point because I, it, it didn't fit. I mean, I, I didn't have anyone to help me understand what was going on. I was a very psychic child. I saw things, I understood things, but I had to turn it off because yeah. it was just impossible and it didn't exactly help me to fit in in any right. way so I was like okay I just need to turn this off because I, I didn't have any guidance either it scared me and now coming into especially after my Saturn return after turning 30 I've like slowly started to take that back and reclaiming it in a way and I think a lot of people um, need to kind of do that. It's a part of taking our power back and becoming whole in a way. Yeah, I, I've heard this phrase, buying back your soul. Yes. Um, kind of, yeah, deconditioning to really return to your inherent authentic self. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean ignoring your lived experiences. You know, it's definitely acknowledgement of what you've been through, what you've experienced. But really just returning to the most simplest, easiest way of operating that you're designed as and to be and to acknowledge it as your truth. And um, yeah, to really step into that with full power and to honor it for yourself. Yeah. Wow. This was such a gift. I feel yeah. like all of this wisdom and still we, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface of this subject, which is like, so nuanced and there's so much to dig into but thank you so much for coming on and joining oh, us oh thank you Maya. That you know it's just so beautiful and um for people listening now that want uh because you give readings and anyone who's curious now about their chart and they want to know more about their design and their blueprint um 
just tell everyone where they can find you and how they can book a reading with you. Sure. So my website is humandesignwithmorgan.com and you can look up your chart um, on the website, but you can also book a reading. I do Zoom readings. Uh, my Instagram is hdwithmorgan. Um, that's my business Instagram. My personal is morgan.pappas. And yeah, that's that's where you can find me. And soon you'll find me in Santa Teresa. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So excited for that. Okay, and I will also share, of course, we will share all, all the links and all the information in the show notes as well. So for anyone listening, you can go down into the show notes, into the description, and you will find all the links there. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much, Morgan. Oh, thank you, Maya. It's always such a pleasure to chat with you. Always. And I'm looking forward to giving you a hug very soon. Yes, likewise. Same.